Welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parasha Behasloha, and um, this Parasha, through the years, I've, I've, I sometimes deliver more or less the same message because really it's so relevant to our days, and we have to really remind ourselves of this message, this eternal message, every moment of our lives. So it's never enough how much you can talk about this message of the menorah and how we need to be lamplighters into the world that our job in our life in our lifetime is to kindle lights to be a, that person that is bringing light to the world hashem created a world which is concealed it's the concealment of god's presence we don't see him we don't we can hear him we can't um, see him visually and uh, but because we can't see him, it doesn't really mean that he's not there and that he's uh, constantly hiding from us so we can really come and bring that light, his light to the world. He gives us that gift that we are able to light the world up. And so we see that the mitzvah of the, of the, of the menorah, of the menorah that stood in the times of the Mishkan, the tabernacle in the desert, and subsequent Beit HaMikdash, the first and the second temples, uh, in this parasha of Behasloha, Hashem uh, gives instructions to Aaron, who was at that time the Kohen Hadol, he was a high priest, on how to light the menorah. And so it says something very interesting, that the, the wording that the, the Torah uses to uh, instruct Aaron on how to bring light to this menorah is a very unusual uh, wording, which it says, literally what it means when you raise up the lamps. And instead of using the term, no, when we light Shabbat candles, women say, this is a proper way to say that, uh, to light the lamps. But here the Torah is not telling us to light the lamps. It's not saying only go and light the light. Just put your match there and bring the light to the world. What it's saying is a little more, it's a little deeper. And Rashi explains that the Kohen had to coax the flame until it burned on its own. So it's not only lighting a match and lighting a candle and that's the end of it. He had to stand by with, the, with his candle, lighting the menorah, the light of the menorah, he had to stand there until this light could burn on its own. And, um, and uh, there's a beautiful message about this concept from Saharia, which he compares the Jewish people to the golden menorah. And the Alter Rebbe explains that each of the seven lamps of the menorah correspond to one of the, cell, one of the seven holy midot, uh, character traits, attributes of God, which are kindness, hesed, gevura, which is discipline, austerity, you have tiferets, which is compassion, beauty, you have netzach, which is resilience, it's endurance, you have hod, which is humility, you have Yesod, which is unity, foundation, and then you have Malhut, which is dignity, royalty. And so we see that um, the, 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 the seven lamps also allude to the seven Sadikim, who are uh, lights for, the, for all generations, which are uh, Abraham, Isaac, Yaakov, 
Then we have Yosef Hatzadik, we have Moshe Rabbeinu, we have Aaron Hakoden, and then we have King David. So these uh, seven lamps, these seven luminaries that we call them, are what have brought the, that light to the world that till today we absorb and we can reflect. So it also alludes the seven uh, branches, the seven arms of the menorah to the seven days of creation. So though all of them are relevant to every Jew, each Jew has a special connection of the, to them, uh, to their root soul, and every Jew is in its way connected to a certain tzaddik uh, that really moves him. So you know, there's people who are more kind, there are people who are more strict. Uh, Abraham was kindness, Isaac was uh, strictness, you know, was discipline. Gevura, and so on. So each person has all of these midots. Obviously, we all have to balance them up in our lives. That's why we did the counting of the Omer a month ago, between the second night of Pesach until Shavuot, we were counting the Omer. We were doing all these, um, all these combinations of the midot because we have to acquire all of them and we have to use them in our in our characteristics, in our character uh, traits in the right way. But every person has one mida that really uh, makes him distinct. You, you see, oh, that's the, that's the guy that brings everybody together, or that's the lady that's always doing kindness to others, or that's the guy who is always very disciplined, he gets the things done. So people, you can see more or less which one of these characteristics is ruling over them. Uh, but what the, the, the menorah is teaching us is that there's seven different ways. There, not everybody's the same, nobody's the same. Everybody's different. And that we have to learn to shine together and we're not meant to be the same. Hashem didn't make people to be the same. That's why you have different colors, different religions, different backgrounds, different countries, different languages, different types of foods. You have all this diversity in the world. It's really because Hashem doesn't want a world that is a cookie cutter and everybody's the same. And so this is one of the messages that this menorah brings us. Um, and it says that these seven ways are legitimate and valid ways to be a menorah, to be a luminary, to bring light to the world with your special flavor. So the crit critical issue is, are you kindled? This is a question. The question that I give, that I ask today to all of you that are listening to this show is, are you kindled? Are you a person that is bright and shining? Are you a person that is lit? Are you a person that has passion for life? It's a person that has passion to help other people. Are you a person that is passionate about the things you do? Are you al alive? Are you lit? And this is the first step in, in being able to be a lamplighter because if you're not a person that has a light within yourself, then it's very uh, or almost impossible to bring light to someone else. Uh, once a person came to the Rebbe, to the Holy Lubavitcher Rebbe, and he asked him, Rebbe, tell me, what do you do all day? And the Rebbe said, well, you know, people come here and I help them find their switch. And the person asked him, oh, but you don't turn on the switch? And he says, no, I cannot do that. 
I can show you, I can show them where the switch is, but I cannot turn them, turn it on. That they have to do on their, on, by their own. So that the fact that the menorah does not have one branch, but seven branches, is that can, everybody can serve God according to their, or, their own personality and their own derech, their own ways. Um, it says that the sages teach that you have to teach a child in his ways. Like parents should not educate the kids to be what they want them to be. They educate the kid in the way the kid is. You know, if a kid loves blood, and he loves horror movies, and he loves all these things, like you cannot take that away. This is part of his, of his mission, his purpose in life. So what you have to do is you have to channel that trait so that that boy can shine through that trait. So help him become a surgeon, help him become, a, I don't know, a, a showhead, someone that slaughters animals for food in a kosher way, or help him be a mohel, that person that comes and does the circumcision. Not everybody's cut to do these things. So when you see the traits of your children, you should help them in their ways. So the windows of the Beit HaMikdash, something very interesting, is that they were very unusual. When you see a person builds a home, the, the windows of the home are designed so the light of the outside can come inside the home. The better the window, the better their angle, the better everything, the more light the house is gonna have. The, the windows of the Beit HaMikdash were constructed in a different way. They were not constructed in the way so the light of the outside would come inside the Beit HaMikdash. It was the other way around. They were uh, like this. So the light of the Beit HaMikdash, the light that generated, that was generated within the Beit HaMikdash would shine out to the world. And, um, and we, we learn from this that that we are not supposed, a Jew is not supposed to be influenced by the outside world. Uh, we, on the other hand, have to be people that are influencing the outside world. You know, the Rebbe Lubavitch, uh, I would say like 40 years ago, he decided to send all these shluchim, all these uh, army of the Rebbe into the world, all these very religious uh, young couples, and he sent them to different places in the world. He sent to Colombia. I remember I was one of these beneficiaries. Rabbi Yoshua Rosenfeld came to Bogota with his wife, his little son. And I was, I think, 12 years old when he came. And like Colombia, he sent them everywhere. He sent to Hong Kong, he sent to Vietnam. Anywhere there was a Jew, he would send um, this, 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 this husband and wife to build a Chabad home and to bring Yiddish guy, to bring holiness to the place and help the Jewish people that lived in these places be able to be lifted up. And so we see that people were very critical of this experiment, let's call it, of the Rebbe. They said, like, are you crazy? How are you sending these young couples to the world to, to go and live in places so remote? There's no kosher food, there's no kosher milk, there's no Jewish education for the kids. They're gonna be lost. They're not gonna make it. They're gonna, they're gonna become uh, assimilated. And the Rebbe said, no. Because when you're a lamplighter, when you're a person that is going to bring light, when you're a person that's coming to a place to light the place up, you're not gonna be influenced. You're the influencer. And so this is one of the, of the ideas of the windows of the Beit HaMikdash, that when you are lit, 
when you yourself are lit, nothing of the outside world can really uh, contaminate you because you're, you're lit. And so the contamination of the world cannot take over you. And so there's a verse that states, Ner Hashem Nishmat Adam, the soul of a Jew is a lamp of God. A candle can either be lit or unlit. You know, I prepare my candles, my husband prepares my candle, candles for Shabbat. That's his job, he does this, and he prepares the, 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 the oil and the wick, and he puts them there since, I don't know, Thursday night. He's already prepared them. But you, they're, not, they're not lit, they're, they're not lit. They're, they're standing there, they're waiting for someone to come and, and lit, light them up. So we see that the, um, that the same way uh, in, that uh, wick and the oil and everything is there that is necessary for a luminary, but if it's not lit yet, it's not a candle. So yes, Hashem puts you in a body, He gives you a neshama. Your neshama is a light of Hashem. It's mamesh, a piece of God without of you. The soul of a Jew is a lamp of God and it's ready to be turned on. But the only person that can turn it, on, turn it on is you. Nobody else can do that for you. You yourself have to find the way in which you're gonna be a light. A light. And so sometimes certain neshamas, there's certain souls that need more help. There's souls that come from a very high place, very lofty places. It's very easy for them to light up. Then there's people who are more simple, they come either from a lower level of a neshama, or maybe they were brought up in a place where they were devoid of Judaism and there was no uh, sensitivity to holiness. And it takes a little longer for these neshamas. So whatever the reason, uh, it doesn't mean that that soul is not a light. What it means is that it's not on yet. And so that's why we need an Aaron Hakohen. We need someone like Aaron Hakohen, who him, is himself a luminary, to come and kindle the neshama of the Jew who is not lit up yet. So uh, the Rebbe explains, the Rebbe Lubavitch, that one must kindle another person in a way of Be'as Loha. We have to light the soul of another person the way that the Aaron Hakohen lit the, the menorah. How? You stand by them, you raise them up, you feel them, you make them feel good about themselves, you, you show them something they can do, you teach them a new mitzvah, you invite them over for Shabbos, you show them how Shabbos is done, how much joy there is in, in our Shabbos, and you stand there, you stand there, you, you keep the, 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 your lamp lighting his lamp until that lamp is ready to be uh, burning on its own. And you have to keep there, you have to keep yourself there until that person can become his own luminary. So the Rev explains um, a commentary of Rashi, which says that the coin had to coast the flame until it burned on its own. Aaron was commanded not merely to light the candle and then run off to do other work in the Beg Samitash, but to light the menorah until each flame would rise up independently. And that is why it says lehatlot and not lehatlik. Lehatlik means only to light. I lit it, I lit it, it's not my fault, it went out. Like when you sometimes light your Shabbat candle and suddenly you do the bracha and suddenly there's a light that went out. It's not my fault, 
But here, what, what it's telling us is that, yes, you have to stay there till that light shines. You cannot let it alone. And so the, 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 the message, the practical instruction that we get from this uh, is that the tor Torah is a Torah's haim, is a tree of life, is a Torah of life. And that every instruction that is in the Torah, every mitzvah, it applies to every Jew in the world, no matter where they are, how they're standing, how intelligent they are, how from they are, um, observant they are, or how not observant they are. But to all of us, these 613 commandments apply to all of us the same. It's not like because this person uh, didn't go to a Jewish school, he doesn't have to give sedaka. He has to give sedaka. Just as a person that went to Jewish school and is a billionaire, or a person that is not even rich, he has to give sedaka. So we see that when you meet another Jew, and this is from the Rebbe, who seems to be an unlit candle, that he looks like he's not burning, don't say, oh, isn't that so bad? Oh, what a pity, this poor guy, he can't get it right. Like, no, this is not for you. No, this is too hard for you. This is what the Rebbe is saying. We have to really ignite people. We have to make them feel that they can do it. I remember I was talking today to one of the rabbis that was one of my mentors when I became a more observant of the Torah, one of my greatest teachers, that he guided me in the way. And I was reminding him how he, he was so present in our lives. When we decided to make our home kosher, for example, I called him up and I said, oh, Rabbi Amar, I need to make my home kosher. I want to make it kosher. Can you come? Can you help me? I don't know what I have to do. And he came and a whole day he was there. He was boiling things. He was telling me, no, this yes, this no. It was very overwhelming, very overwhelming. And, um, and it's a whole story for another day. But to make the story short, eventually my house became kosher after many years, and I had to re-kosher it many, many, many times because there were things that I didn't know that with time I started learning about certain issues that I had, and I had to boil my pants again, and I had to do all these things again. But nevertheless, he didn't say to me, oh, no, your house is not going to be kosher. You're not there yet. It's impossible. You don't keep Shabbos. You're not the one that turns on the, la the, the fire. Uh, he never said these things to me. He said, yeah, you want kosher? How kosher you want? And I said, I want you to be able to eat in my house. Obviously, he was not going to be able to eat in my house, but he didn't say, no, I could not eat in your house. Never said that to me. He said, so, well, wonderful, we're going to get working on it. And when I started growing in the, in, the, in the kashrut, and I started understanding things that I was doing that were not, uh, he would have never been able to eat in my house, then one step at a time, I started doing more and doing more and doing more. But you cannot tell a person, oh, you're not there yet. Oh, no, you can't do this. No, no, no. You first have to become Shomer Shabbat before you have a kosher kitchen. You cannot say that to a person because it's not like that. It's not like all or nothing. Like every little thing a Jew does is, has tremendous consequences. Like one little inch that the sun moves in this world that you see the little movement of the, of the shadow in the upper realms, it's kilometers and kilometers and kilometers of the sun moving. So we cannot tell people, you know, you're not ready for this mitzvah. 
Or no, when you make money, then you can keep Shabbat. No, keep Shabbat. Do it the best way you can with what you have. And then you, you, you'll learn and you'll start growing. And that's why when we received the Torah, we didn't say, we didn't say, oh, let us learn first and then we'll do. We said instead, we said, yeah, we will do, we will do, and then we will learn. And that's the right approach. So the Rebbe, he says that there's two approaches to Yiddishkeit, to Judaism. And he says there's one approach that is approach of love of Ahava, and then there's another approach which is Yira, which is austerity, fear. And you need both of them, because obviously with love you do, and with austerity you keep yourself, you reframe yourself from doing things. But he says that in the case of teaching people to get closer to Hashem, you have to go with Ahava. You have to go with love. If you go with austerity, with Yira, with Gevura, you're not gonna get the person. They're gonna run out, round, flee. Nobody wants to feel scared. You have to do it with love. And so that is a, that's the way in which we are able to become lamplighters in our, in our days is when we bring people with love, with love. You know, sometimes you see Jews throwing tomatoes at other Jews because they're not keeping Shabbat and they came through their neighborhood. This is not the way. This is a Hilul Hashem. This is a desecration of the name of God. What a, what a person should do is stop the person and say, oh, hey, I have delicious cholent in my house. Would you like to come in and have a taste of, of Shabbat? I invite you to my home. Come, come. And this is the way in which we get people to love, to love Yiddishkeit and to them themselves become a lamplighter. And to finish off the Pirkeavot, the ethics of the fathers, it's, it's, it reminds us that uh, it says that we have to, to, to choose to be like Aaron Hakohen, to be a person that loves other people. This is why he was given this, um, this uh, mitzvah of kindling the lights, because Aaron Hakohen had so much love for everybody, so much patience for people. He really loved humanity. He didn't only love the Talmud Haham, the great rabbi, the big donor. No, he loved even the most simplest of the simplest of the simplest. The Pirkei Avot says because he loved every creature. Imagine, he gives them the appellation of a creature, a person that is completely ignoranimous, has no idea of nothing. He calls him a creature. Why a creature? Because when you find someone in your life that there's nothing to love about, he has nothing that you like about him or her, that there's no good that you can find in that person, then you have to remember, oh, he's also a creation of Hashem. This creature is also a creation of Hashem. And just because he's a child of God, you love him. And this is the ability that Aaron Hakohen exemplified and that we come from him that from these lessons of the of the Cohen of how to treat people and how to love people and to always try to look for the good thing in everybody and try to put people together if people are fighting try to make the tell them oh you know your friend misses you and you go to the other one you say oh your friend misses you and in that way people make peace because he was a peacemaker and to be a lamplighter, you need to be a peacemaker. You cannot be a person that is dividing the world. 
you're not gonna light any light. You're gonna shut them off. You're gonna just like extinguish the menorah. But if you love people and you want the best for them and you do it with Ahava, with love and patience and reminding yourself everybody's a child of Hashem, then you're gonna be able to have a superpower of being supercharged and being able to go and ignite the whole world. And you yourself are gonna be enlightened. So I wish you a good week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.